We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from U.S. Bank. When it's time for a new credit card, the best ones do way more than just buy stuff. And that's why U.S. Bank offers credit cards that make every day more rewarding. Earn cash back. Score points when you shop, dine out, travel, or binge watch. Or get a low intro APR. U.S. Bank credit cards were designed to fit your lifestyle. So make every day more rewarding. And check out usbank.com slash credit card. U.S. Bank credit cards are issued by U.S. Bank National Association N.D. Some restrictions may apply. Member FDIC. Welcome in to the Road to Wire NFL podcast. John McKechnie, Mario Puig hanging out with you. It is Thursday. February 14th, Valentine's Day. Galentine's Day was yesterday. So hope you all had wonderful many February holiday seasons there. And then I think uh, President's Day is coming up. Yeah, I'd, I'd love any chance to buy uh, like post, not postcards, uh, just cards and like paraphernalia related to holidays, events, whatever. So all that. I, I don't know yet if they will be offering that for the present president's uh, day slate or whatever but i intend to buy whatever novelties are produced yes and like the like the simpsons episode uh where homer ends up fighting the garbage man uh love day will be coming out this summer it's basically valentine's day 2.0 okay is that the episode where he buy more cards is that where he gets into like a trade war with the garbage man or where yeah he he basically uh become or he has a standoff with them where they won't collect their trash the garbage man okay i didn't i didn't know if there was a second episode where he just like incidentally gets into fights with garbage men but uh yeah anyway that yeah that's a great then then eventually i've seen the i've seen the the garbage man can that you see yeah now incredible episode i don't know why you two was in that episode but otherwise an excellent episode but uh before we get too far off topic and get into or start infringing on our simpson specific podcast uh we'll jump into some of the news and notes uh from the week that was in the nfl uh, yesterday morning, I get into the office, turn on my computer, which takes forever to, to load, and I'm getting all these messages on my phone 
from Slack or, or texts from people. End of an era, man. And I have no idea what people are talking about. And it turns out that the Ravens had traded Joe Flacco. Yeah, that's that's always a relief when you, you find out, like, oh, it's not me. Okay, well, whatever, I guess. Yeah, I didn't really – I was surprised at how much people cared about the Flacco trade just because I still don't care. I'm trying really hard to think of something to say, but uh, Joe Flacco sucks. John Elway is stupid. Mm-hmm. It was a bad trade. Good for the Ravens, though. I know, right? Yeah, I mean, it's rumored to – obviously, it can't be made official until March 13th, I think, is when the new – They would not uh, tamper starts. or anything like that. There's no – no one would do anything illegal in the league. Oh, they're, never. They're, right. So, yeah, uh, anyway, it's it's a – yeah, it's it's um a fourth-round pick, right, for a guy on $18.5 million a year, and uh, that seems like the kind of thing where normally you'd have to, like, pay the other team to take Flacco, but they got a fourth-round pick – which they're, I assume they're, they're, they had two fourth round picks. The Broncos did, um, and they get the Ravens got the higher one. Oh, nice! Yeah, so they got would the that, one that the Broncos be the actual owned. Denver one. Yeah, yeah. and okay. uh, the was a Demarius Thomas one would have been the uh, the other one. So the Broncos still have that one, but that that is from where the Houston Texans would be slotted in the fourth. Yeah, so that's I saw some people who were trying very hard to stay on like chummy terms with John Elway, trying to come up with a rationalization for the trade, and that was the way it would usually go. Is it was like, but they had two fourth rounders. That means the second one is isn't even useful anyway. They might as well trade. It's like I would rather have two players in the fourth round. It's not like you get one pick and then like. Well, we can't use the second the, one. You're yeah, only allowed to have one. Good. Yeah, so that was if that were the case then it still would be a bad trade, but not as bad. Yeah, so um I mean if I'm a Denver fan, I'm not particularly over the moon about this. Like do I think that he's Joe Flacco is better than Case Keenum? I actually do, but I mean, Yeah, maybe. It, but is it by enough to for it to really matter and is this something where it's going to be more than one or two years? I doubt it highly. I guess the the question is, with all the buzz going on around what the Broncos are going to do at what, like pick 10, uh, the rumors of Elway really being enamored with Drew Locke, does this change the calculus with that? I don't think it necessarily does. I think some people might might jump to that conclusion, but I don't think it really stops the Broncos from from pulling the trigger on the first round on a quarterback if they have one that they really like, and they could uh, then have the luxury of you know for sure having uh, Locke sit for sit behind for a year, uh, learn the system, learn the offense under the the new offensive coordinator. I think it was the the quarterbacks coach from the Forty Niners uh, as their new offensive coordinator. Oh, I don't know who that is. Sorry. I, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Sorry, listeners. But um, I think it seems like a, a good hire under the Fangio staff, and, and it'll be something to help Drew Locke along. I, I think that we can both agree that he's not a guy that you would want starting week one. So Vic Fangio is like 70 also, so he, prob- he probably wouldn't want a rookie starter in week one. But yeah, I, I believe they still should be the favorites for Locke. Yeah, I think so too. So um that's kind of where it all stands. And then as far as the Ravens go, you like the acquisition of the fourth round uh, pick. That's a ripoff. That's an awesome trade for them. That's almost, that's like, uh, what, like four picks removed from the third round for Flacco? Something like that. So yeah, just garbage trade for the Broncos. They're going to be so bad forever. And I can't that's wait. A- that's a nice little like kind of slam dunk first move announcing your your arrival if you're Eric DaCosta, the new GM. Yeah, so that's uh I mean that puts the they're they're already like a pretty well founded team. They the Ravens, that is. They need to kind of, I think, get Lamar Jackson and more of like a Chip Kelly offense than the uh, Georgia Wing Tech team. one. Yeah. Yeah. So that's that's one thing they need to get on. But if they do, I think 
they have a lot of uh, that offensive line is pretty good the defense is automatic or close to it so yeah i like i like where they're headed uh, the broncos not so much their offensive line by the way veldir and the center matt paredes i don't know if it's paredes or paradise feel kind of silly saying the second one so i'll probably just say his name wrong on purpose if that's how you're supposed to say it sounds good matt paradis is one of the most expensive centers on the market so they could get worse as they add flacco and it's not like they were great last right year. <laughs> i mean it's like they sucked then emmanuel sanders had that brutal achilles tear late in the year the broncos could be the favorite for the first pick in 2020 jeez okay so that that is it's a grim outlook but i, I it's hard when you when you look at it fully like like you just did it, it does kind of make sense they they definitely are in that bottom like some of uh, those quadrant. terrible teams last year are going to get a little better it's like the bills are going to be a little better uh, i can't remember who the I think other the, ja- the jaguars are too talented if the if the, yeah. if the giants don't screw this up royally and they could they could uh, make the 49ers lost garoppolo forward. that's why they finished so badly the cardinals aren't going to be so bad so it's yeah there's there's a lot of things where the broncos can get worse and uh not many ways that they can really turn it around anytime and, and soon and you can pencil in like an automatic four losses within the division and then you know maybe split the series with the raiders so yeah, you, you go one and five in your division like that's not it's not a good starting place to, to go from, but um, all right, let's shift gears. It looks like, you know, again, we, we are a little bit out from free agency. And we're also a couple weeks out from, from the combine, um, but it looks like the 49ers are going to end up parting ways with, with uh, Pierre Garçon uh, in free agency. Um, so how, how does that kind of shake up or shape uh, this 49ers uh, receiving core in your mind? And uh, where do you think a good fit could be for Garçon? Do you think he has any utility left? He should if he's healthy, and that's I, I don't know what to do with that part because he was getting nicked up last year. He's gonna be, I think, probably thirty-two soon. I'm trying to he's getting up there, trying yeah. to load his player page, but my laptop is just a horrible bastard that needs to die, <laughs> and it won't load this page. So I have to guess how old Pierre Garcon is for the next. He's thirty-two. Tar- okay, cool. I was yeah. trying to stall for a really long. He'll be thirty-three in August. It looks mm-hmm. like so that's not good. He's he's at. Or he's near the end of the line if he's not at it already. I still think he's a, he's a pretty good player in the past couple of years, but uh, just not staying on the field and not doing enough when he is on the field to justify getting more than like a you know veteran minimum kind of salary. Guy like him probably can't play special teams, so no. this might be it if somebody doesn't get hurt in training camp or something like that. And the odds of him doing something useful in fantasy are pretty much zero, I think. Okay, fair enough. I mean, you you, you don't think that, you know, if, say he lands in back in Indianapolis or or like even like the Bills, like a team that doesn't have like a great possession receiver. He might be on some team for that reason and because it's like he's he's a small school guy who had a very good career. He could be a valuable mentor type, I'm sure. It's like he had to be good at playing receiver to be a good receiver. He wasn't just a freak who dominated by just running and jumping as as best as he could. So he he could be useful in that role, but I can't really see him contributing on an offense like uh, Buffalo is just kind of a disappointing prospect anyway because it's like he's not going to play ahead of Foster, he's not going to play ahead of Zay Jones. Right? Uh, they could take somebody with that first round pick at receiver. Who knows? Uh, so I don't expect him to as much as he might be on a team. I don't think he'll play meaningful snaps, at least relative to fantasy standards. And like in Indianapolis, it's probably the case that Dontrell Inman is better than him anyway okay. and might not cost that much more. Uh, so there, there's other options. I'm, I can't remember all the free agent receivers, but like the class is pretty decent. 
Uh, it's it's got like Tyrell Williams, Adam Humphreys, uh, Dante Moncrief is a free agent again. So there's there's some guys for the teams that are looking for like a rounding out piece. There's other younger candidates to do that. Sure. And uh, yeah, I feel like it's probably going to be like a bad situation if there is one that demands Garcon kind kind of like the Saints and Des Bryant. You know, it's like something like that needs to happen before a team is like all right, let's pay whatever this expensive veteran minimum is for this guy who's in his 11th year or whatever uh, to not play special teams. It's like that's just a position that teams don't aspire for. Like they get forced into it. Yeah, yeah. I think that that's probably a fair way to to put it. I I think that there's maybe a little bit more left to him than you might, but, uh, you know, at the same time, you're raising raising good points. And, yeah, from a fantasy perspective, he's no better than, like, the fourth receiver on a a given team, and he probably isn't going on a good team. If a team has, like, a a three-receiver base and their possession guy gets hurt, they probably could use Garcon because he could probably get ready on short notice. But it's it's one of those things, like, as far as, you know, top – 60 fantasy receiver i really doubt it okay so we we'd have to be really deep in the weeds there for for him to have any value so uh i guess would the main fallout then be uh is there a guy on the 49ers that you think gets elevated a little bit as a result of this well it was going to be all, all about pettis and goodwin anyway i think and the question from there is more like do they add someone now or do they kind of go toward richie james and trent taylor for the third piece i don't think kendrick Bourne is more than like a fifth receiver career journeyman type Mm -hmm. but i love goodwin who by the way is is underrated in fantasy drafts at the moment he's in in the initial best ball adps he's in like the 10th round he was going in the fifth and sixth last year for a pretty good reason then he got hurt garoppolo got hurt and there was personal tragedy that goodwin and his family had to deal with he was still good when he did play just hardly ever played uh pettis looked very impressive i think yep so they're they're both two of my favorite targets at the moment pettis you're probably looking at like eighth round pick goodwin in the 10th and i prefer goodwin as that value because i actually would i would consider goodwin their number one receiver if i had to pick right now just because i think goodwin is actually very effective as a receiver i mean he's a burner he was doing great per target numbers over the past two years and i I am absolutely confident that jimmy garoppolo and him if they're both on the field are going to be a problem but yeah pettis is is really good too so it's like i i kind of want to say just yes to both if possible right and then you know so you you take those two into account and then you also have obviously george kittle the the top tight the wide receiver the, one actually of the he, offense see, yeah. yeah so and, and plus uh, the pass catching abilities of, of the running backs if they end up being healthy so yeah like the the third target that actually is a lot like what the chiefs have with tyreek and watkins and then kelsey it's like the big slot presence can or the slot presence can be the big fast tight end and then it's like well you only have small outside not that Watkins is small exactly but like even if you only have small outside guys the skinny guy in Pettis's case and a short guy in Goodwin's it's like Kittle bridges the gap and those two are so freaking fast <laughs> they can just make the entire field a danger to the to the defense and i, I think it'll work very well yeah I, th- I think so too so yeah if any if nothing else it, it just edifies where, where goodwin and uh and where pettis are right now it's interesting that you brought up where, where their early uh, adps are it'll be interesting to see where they end up going for, from here the rest of draft season uh speaking of draft season shifting gears to the nfl draft um so we, so we had uh, coming into the week we didn't have a ton more uh, news other than you know obviously Kyler Murray making the announcement that that he's going to uh, choose football but we've exhausted that one at least yeah. for right now I can't I can't do another he's gonna play football <laughs> oh my god you heard it here yeah 
But, um, you know, uh, Preston Williams and uh, Jeffrey Simmons were, were two guys that were uh, in violation of, of that new rule that prevents people from uh, being invited to the combine if you are convicted of something uh, violent. And then uh, earlier this week, I believe it was yesterday, actually, Jalen Ferguson out of Louisiana Tech, the NCAA's all-time sack leader uh, over his four-year career at Louisiana Tech. Uh, he gets his invite pulled after background check uh, revealed that he was convicted for a simple battery uh, when he was a freshman for a fight he got into uh, when he was at a McDonald's. And was that it was that like a domestic violence charge because it no, was, it was a just it was a violent okay so yeah i was trying to figure out what the policy even was because i thought when it was initially reported they were like it's just any kind of violence and assault and this like that's not that wasn't the whole point to begin with and that's weird doesn't make much sense to me and yeah i, th- I thought like I, I, I thought that preston williams might have fallen under that technicality too but he actually i think it was domestic violence in his case and i did not know about that before I don't know what that means exactly because I still think he's basically a first-round talent. Okay. Uh, I think he was looking at the third and fourth round before, and I can't tell whether I should still think that or if it's – because it, it is not new information. Like, the teams already knew about it. It's just I might have been wrong about where he was initially. Maybe he was always more of a Dayrick Rogers sort of uh, asset and that, you know, he went undrafted rather than, uh, you know, Joe Mixon or Tyree Kill or whatever sure. good case scenario you might have in mind. Still don't know where that's going, but Preston Williams is, I think, very interesting because other than DK Metcalf, I think he is the the best like high upside wide receiver, wide receiver one type at six four, uh, very fast, just runs like the wind in a way that very few receivers can. So he's interesting, but I don't know what that means for him. It could could matter a lot. With Simmons, it's more the injury, I guess, at this point, the ACL knocking him out. It's like it looked like the NFL was willing to overlook his incident, whatever it was. Yeah, it happened in high school too. Yeah, to be fair, it's like I don't want to go too much into like the moral, you know, philosophy dilemma of these things. But yeah, it's like high school thing. I, I can totally imagine. Uh, understandably, NFL teams just getting past that, and then j- fighting in a McDonald's. Who cares? Like, if, I know, if he's not beating a woman, yeah, if he's not beating a woman, or like you know doing dante fowler things it's like who cares yeah it's not like he beat up a guy smashes glasses and threw his grocery in a lake or a uh, tyler higby uh, yeah tyler higby is a, a guy within inches of his life and like yelling played on super Bowl yeah Sunday. yelling middle eastern racist insults at the guy and that one just totally got swept under the rug know. shame no on everybody is, no one has ever talked about that i i was me and like arif hassan have screamed about that a bit and just no one cared that is as thoroughly disappointing, but when it comes to Ferguson, uh, he's a guy that was obviously immensely productive in college. I don't, I'm not buying the the narrative. I think it, it's something to kind of make the story splash here to say that he was a potential first round pick. I think he was more like a mid round two guy to begin okay. with. Uh, I don't know how much this is really going to knock his stock down because, like you said, I the, almost the, respect the nature, that. the nature of this thing. Who hasn't gotten in a fight at a McDonald's? You know? I mean, <laughs> I, I I I would not get into a fight, but that's only because like I would be the person like slipping into the corner and be like these guys are gonna fight like uh you know up to a certain point i'm anti-violence uh, to be serious but a uh, little little bad behavior getting corrected and in, in a you know a, a, having norms enforced is not the worst thing that can ever happen in my opinion see there you go so uh in the end this probably will just be a bump in the road for jalen ferguson i think that there are other warts to his to his profile it'll just end up being like a promotional item with mcdonald's where it's like he he they take photos of him pretending to punch like the cashiers or something and <laughs> y- you know like when people take photos with boxers and Beat stuff up like your that. hunger 
Yeah, it's like you take a photo. If you take a fan photo with like a boxer or something, and they're like, "Oh," or, or you know, hey, it's a champ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's they're going to be doing like, "Oh, he's beating me," with a cheeseburger in his yeah. left hand. <laughs> yep. So we have that to look forward to uh, sometime in the next uh, few years. All right. So let's uh, let's get into something that I care deeply about, obviously. Um, so, oh, actually, before we get to the Georgia receivers, because there's three of them that that presumably are going to get drafted so we'll break those guys down in a minute uh another thing that was a a major topic of conversation this week on the other end of the spectrum of what ferguson uh was dealing with dk metcalf's picture that went viral um (laughs) so last year around maybe over the summer or something georgia running back elijah holyfield uh there was a picture of him uh running through the hole at at like spring practice or something and his arm was just it just the way the picture 85 inch biceps just just gigantic like just like that can't be real turned out that photo was a little bit doctored Mm -hmm. but still he is absolutely just jacked so this picture kind of reminded me of that because it got a similar reaction but with metcalf being a prospective wide receiver one uh in this class and just the the sheer terrifyingness of that picture like it it was just something that obviously caught fire uh this week yeah it immediately was compared to david boston which as an expert of the uh san diego chargers era david boston i don't think it's the same i remember when those photos were leaking out and those were not doctored at all and boston looked he weighed like 270 pounds when he was with the chargers you can guarantee it he looked insane (laughs) but with that said metcalf looks like he could be pushing 240 in that photo um it's hard to tell though because it was pretty clearly after a workout and like if if you're lifting if you're that muscular of a person and you're lifting huge amounts of weight for a while you'll just like fill up with blood swelling in your muscles as, as just a that's just what happens so he might have been looking a little like artificially swole He's primed up yeah like because all the other guys in the photo look ridiculous too it's like you guys don't look like humans What's, no. and it's basically because it's like well for the next uh, few hours we are not we are balloon people <laughs> so yeah it's 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 kind of just funny if you look if you look at photos like that they're always that way every offseason there's some i remember people were going like oh christian mccaffrey's on steroids like last offseason it's like no sometimes when your job is to lift weights and you do it a long time the right way you eventually become you know you get a lot of like developed fibers and then when they get filled with blood they swell like it's just kind of what happens so i'm not fully like on board with the david boston thing but it does kind of look like the josh gordon photo which also josh gordon was uh, a safe tier below david boston in terms of swollenness right but uh, in the in the end like all right let's say that uh metcalf is like pushing in the, in those 240s i mean that the after the immediate omg sort of reaction from everybody people were starting to wonder like is that too much muscle to be carrying into a combine type workout where you want your quit twitch to be you know at its best well it's also like i don't know if anyone specifically tried to do this bad dot connecting but i can imagine some some stupid reductive narrative about like well that's why he got hurt so much you know and he had a broken foot and then like a neck injury so it couldn't possibly (laughs) be connected at all but also uh it's it's largely like you worry about a guy just having unnatural weight unnatural mass on him for for joints and ligaments that are evolved to handle some amount of weight like 20 or 30 pounds less and when you put that unnatural weight it's like the the ligaments start to break like they did with david boston it's like uh chickens in meat factories are so pumped full of steroids their legs snap when they try to stand on them you know it's like it's like a corollary of that almost uh, that you worry about happening, uh, but I don't think 
I think I'm willing to be optimistic that he's under 240, and I don't know what it means if he's over it. Uh, he's probably going to check in at 6'3", so this is not like a six. This is not like Vincent Jackson tall, uh, but it looks like he might have a Vincent Jackson mass anyway, so that's a little concerning. But if I had to guess, I would say he's like 6'3", 232, or 235 or something. So with, with this picture, and obviously we, we are still a little bit out from, from him. Like T.O. would look 40. like that if he was doing those kinds of photo ops, you know? Yeah, so like, it, it yeah, can be done. It's it's just it, like it's it's a fine line at a certain point. I think, I think the part that freaked me out was the arm, like just the the sheer gigantic. The arms look the absolutely arm. massive. It's true. <laughs> I mean, he looks huge All in every it, respect. It's ridiculous. But uh, yeah, I think I think it might just be a case of a guy who's like two thirty five with like three percent body fat or something like that. And it's also worth mentioning. His dad, as much as people talk about his NFL bloodlines, his dad, Terrence, I think it was, was a guard. So you can imagine, like, offensive line workout routines getting getting exposed to that as, like, a 10-year-old or something. It's like, he's just lifted heavier weights his whole life than probably most people. Yeah, and and also, what one last thing to, to add to this, that there is a picture of the Ole Miss receivers over the summer. Metcalf mostly looked exactly like what he did in that picture from this week like hmm. it was him with aj brown and, and and demarcus lodge and braylon sanders i think and he still looked just as ripped just not maybe not as gigantic but this it is really what mi- he looks like it might be kind of like an optical trick of just like body fat percentage like if, if he if he was more like eight percent and you know he, he would necessarily have less muscle then because otherwise he'd be like whatever 260 or something um but it, it might just be like you know guy who has insanely low fat content relative to his muscle just looks really shredded all the time but he's big either way it's there's no doubt about that yeah so it'll be yeah as if it wasn't going to be interesting already it's going to be uh quite a sight see seeing him when he goes to the weigh-in uh at the combine coming up he's no greg jones either oh that was you're probably too young for that there's this florida state running back greg jones who uh, he never got busted for steroids or anything, but he he looked like he was on steroids. Like name he, sounds super. Familiar. He was the guy who uh, Dexter Reed, the safety from North Carolina. It's like a it's like an aged meme now. But there's the thing of the Florida State running back just stiff arming a safety from North Carolina so hard, like his head just pops off. Oh yes, okay. That's Dexter Reed. He did not have his head pop off, but it looked like it happened for a second. <laughs> all right, Greg Pete. Jones did that. Yeah. <laughs> Way to go, Greg Jones. Um, all right, so. Uh, let's get into some more uh, hardline prospect analysis. Uh, let's get into these Georgia receivers. So there's three. I think there's two that everyone is very, very familiar with. One that's kind of gotten lost in the wash, and I get it. Um, but we got Riley Ridley versus Nicole Hardman uh, as, you know, who's going to be the first uh, receiver off the board from, from Georgia. And then uh, and I know you wrote a piece on them earlier this offseason. And then we also have uh, Terry Godwin, who is a four-year player. Uh, at Georgia so he's declaring as a senior yeah so I am guilty I guess of overlooking Terry Godwin because I used the reductive reasoning of like well I'm not that high on uh, Riley Ridley so if Godwin can't even produce near him or Hardman how good could he possibly be and also Godwin was a five-star I think and he was basically he basically was one of those guys who had that tone that that like cloud over his career of just being a five-star bust so I might have had held that against him a little too much. But yeah, over the last two years, as much as I still don't think Godwin is more than like 
maybe a fifth round type pick. Uh, before, I wasn't considering him particularly draftable, but looking at his numbers over the past two years, he actually was extremely efficient for especially like, I know that they've had better quarterbacks lately, but it wasn't like, you know, a, a true strength necessarily of the Georgia offense at quarterback. They weren't, and, they weren't throwing it a ton. Whatever it was, it was usually like kind of safe from Jake Fromm, obviously, or at least as a freshman, like 2017 is, I don't mean to like steal your point, but I, to, to underline it, like Terry Godwin, 12.28 yards per target uh, as a as a junior in 2017 73% on his catch rate mm-hmm. and then this past year the yardage took a major dip which i think plays into the targets the, did yes the targets dropped as well uh, he wasn't quite as efficient, but he was still really efficient overall. Like eleven point six, I think, was his yards per target. This yeah, past and year. catching twenty two of thirty two targets at eleven point six yards per target is pretty much automatic. Like that's 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 really good. So I don't know what the deal is. I don't know if he's just kind of had some bad anecdotal luck, or if there were some injuries in his early two seasons. I think he was dinged up uh, a bit this past year. Like he wasn't like a hundred percent because he was. I guess that is what changed from the twenty eighteen to tw- or twenty seventeen to twenty eighteen offenses for Georgia is that Ridley had the back seat last year yes. behind not just Godwin but also Hardman, and then this year uh, Godwin, I guess, playing nicked up, maybe opened up the room for Ridley to to establish. You know, they also did. they also just played more receivers this past year, and that, that's not like a great excuse when you're talking about a you know former five star that's a senior on this team. You know, get getting a guy like a Jeremiah Holloman uh, seeing more targets than him, or, or you know Tyler Simmons uh, getting snaps. Yeah, I forgot about Holloman and those. Yeah, so that it it's it's tough to make the call on on Godwin. I feel like because I, I still don't think he's like a I don't think he has really any upside, but. If a guy like Adam Humphreys can have the kind of career that he has, then I, th- I think that uh, as like a you know Nate Washington kind of tra- career trajectory is totally within reach. Although I would I would expect now that Godwin gets drafted, I was assuming he wouldn't before, but I think I would say like sixth round now, uh, something like that. But uh, in any case, he's he's still ranked third for you, right, out of these oh, guys? Yeah, definitely. Okay. I, did, I just think that he warranted a little bit of yeah. consideration. Those I, numbers the last two years on a per-target basis are thoroughly compelling, because both in the in the catch rate and the per-target, especially. And watching him, he he's quick as a hiccup off the line. I, I really like that about him. I, I don't love uh, him on the outside. He's probably ticketed for, for being in the slot. Uh, but I mean, he can make the jump ball like when you need him to. That the famous catch he had against Notre Dame uh, in 2017, the one hander in the corner of the end zone, totally awesome. Um, but now he like he can get it done. Like I don't think that he's much worse than say a Deshaun Hamilton. No, that's fair. I I think yeah, it's slot that he's looking at, and I don't know. He's he's one of those guys who you don't target and redraft certainly, and you don't even you probably overlook him in dynasty, but. If he ended up on the field for the Saints in Week Four, it's like he could be the Keith Kirkwood yeah, kind yeah, of show I, up out of nowhere. Better than Kirkwood, yeah, different guys totally. Like Kirkwood's, it's weird that they were using him so much in the slot, but it's like the NFL is headed toward more trips, more uh, four wide, so there's more slot snaps available than ever. So a guy like Godwin at least is showing up at a good time. Like if he was showing up, you know, ten years ago, I might not have seen his avenue to playing time as easily. Yeah, no, I think I think that makes sense. Um, okay, so let's let's parse out uh, the Hardman versus versus uh, Ridley. Yeah, this is a bit of a, a classic for us already. But I noticed like other people on on draft Twitter, Dynasty Twitter, have kind of started looking at it maybe for the first time in the past few days. And I think uh, 
Oh God, I, I'm going to have to try to look. I, I don't want to get the name wrong. I saw somebody posted an article the other day that was basically like, actually, Hardman's probably better. And I was like, yes, definitely. Because uh, there's this thing in film Twitter, film draft Twitter, that's well established. They love Ridley. They've established this a long time ago. They saw, you know, f- film of him just looking so good on film, doing wide receiver things on film. And I, I'm, I'm like... I'm being like facetious and probably unfair, but uh, Ridley... Not entirely, though, man. Right. It's like, Ridley, of course he's going to look like a wide receiver. It's like him and his brother, were they going to like wide receiver academies or something together? It's like they, they must have. They both looked very polished as like getting releases, running routes, things like that. And Riley Ridley uh, is good at those two things also, but he just like everything just screams of... Uh, either limited upside or just kind of like average traits generally. Like he might be a guy with an uneven application in that he can only really play outside. Like I, I guess if I if I had to compare him to something right now, I would say he's just like a maybe like less productive uh, Josh Reynolds or something like that, which he, he I think that Riley Ridley, Riley Ridley will play snaps in the NFL even as a rookie. And I can imagine him getting, I don't know, like 600 more snaps by his second year. But – like I said, the whole NFL is going to more trips, more four wide. I think in fantasy, it's a very long shot for Riley Ridley to emerge as more than kind of a number three receiver who doesn't play much in the slot. Like he's a number three receiver who plays outside, which isn't with the. You don't want that distinction. You want to be the wide receiver who three who plays in the slot because mm-hmm. then that gives you a chance to get more snap loads, like a wide receiver two and a half kind of thing, because of the way the league is headed right now. Ridley, I think, would have been a better projection like the opposite of Godwin like 10 years ago Ridley would have benefited from that status quo more than this one but we'll see he does have his fans probably in the NFL who you know just love the film and stuff some people have him as high as like their wide receiver three and it's just like I'm Madness. Not, I'm just not so sure because the film it's solid but I mean the production is not enough to where and even like if you wanted to do it more granularly and look at the efficiency type of stats uh this past year under nine yards a target, uh, he did have nine nine touchdowns on thirty nine uh, receptions. So like that's that's good. Obviously, um, he was able to dominate s- some lesser corners. Obviously, uh, on his way to doing that. But I mean, if you if you're getting a guy where I don't know, like if you even want to compare him to his brother, he doesn't have the quickness out of his. They're breaks not similar. That, that, that Calvin Ridley had. Yeah, exactly. Totally different kinds of like players. Ridley. Or Calvin Ridley, I'm sorry, was just way more polished, and, and we were talking about the the polish on Riley Ridley, but I, Calvin Ridley was obviously like a first round talent. On, in addition to the the polish there, like Riley, not nearly as much in my opinion. I, I have right. like a much harder time seeing him like take this le- this leap from what he already is. What he already is is fine, but it's nothing that like is really going to be like a massive game changer. Whereas what with Hardman, it feels like he is completely scratching the surface of something where we've talked about this before he came to georgia as, as recruited as the number one athlete uh in his class played uh defensive back his freshman year didn't play offense then he moved over to receiver as a sophomore made the big plays in the national championship game and then obviously had a very strong year this past year averaged just under 10 yards a target uh and also went went i think he had like the team lead in receiving yards of 529 as well yeah so the the riley ridley fans like the the film draft twitter people who decided ahead of time that they liked him kind of told on themselves as far as that goes because they tried to co-opt the the pro calvin argument of 
well, look at all the people who were playing around him. There are all these NFL receivers. How is he going to put up big numbers? It's like, well, Calvin did put up big numbers, he, not he in like shared, yeah. shared percentages. And he uh, he was playing next to Ardarius Stewart, who was a third round pick, shouldn't have been, but Robert Foster, who should have been a third round pick and was an undrafted uh, rookie. There was OJ Howard there for one year, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs. So you're talking like what, like four first round picks maybe out of those guys, mm-hmm. um, and. In George's case, it's like, I think I can still be a Hardman fan and even a bit of like a Godwin optimist and still have a relatively pessimistic outlook for Ridley. And by that, I mean, uh, like fourth, fifth round kind of prospect, whereas these people are saying like, no, top 40 kind of thing, uh, top 50 or something like that. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's in his case, it's Isaiah McKenzie and Godwin and Hardman who's like, how can you guys be the same people who say like Hardman's a sixth round pick and then say like, well, uh, Riley really had to play around so much talent. Like I think it's you I think it's the way to look at it is Hardman, yes, did not like easily dominate the way that Calvin Ridley did, but he switched from corner the spring before that year that he uh so 2017 he switched mm-hmm. during the spring presumably because of like injuries or something uh dictating that uh, they thought he was going to be a corner yeah, before that depth at that point was really bad so yeah they he moves at that point and I've, I've actually got the numbers since um let's see since t- so over 2017 and 2018 here's what we got 788 yards and 11 touchdowns for hardman uh or sorry that's ridley and then hardman's got 950 yards and 11 touchdowns 62.8 percent catch rate for hardman at 10.1 yards per target 65.2 percent catch rate for ridley at 8.9 yards per target now those are totally good numbers for ridley but ridley is going to be 23 this year i think and hardman is going to be 21 until i i I guess he must i don't know when is i don't know if it's been disclosed yet but he's not supposed to turn 22 during or until after the halfway point of the upcoming season so you're talking like two years up to difference age-wise and who knows how many years in terms of actual repetitions at the position. Yeah, he's turning 21 in uh, in March. So at two years older, uh, or roughly, Ridley should have been... Within, uh, with a year ahead of him in terms of experience. Like, Ridley was playing in 2016 receiver. Right, yeah. So Ridley should have just blown away Hardman's production and instead he basically got exceeded by a negligible amount so when you look at hardman though the tools are are another important part of it because he's going to kill the combine like he's he's a burning athlete it's obvious on tape immediately it's just it's it's like he's playing on a different uh tape speed than the other players so if you have a guy who's gonna if he if he runs a 435 which he could because tony brown did and then that national championship game uh hardman dusted Dusted. him just like it just torched him on a fly route so if if he that's like four three five functional speed at worst. He might be more like a four three flat kind of guy for all we know. And when you watch him play, you can tell he's competitive and he works hard. He's a very high motor player. The motor with Hardman is is in like you only see it with guys like Percy Harvin, Steve Smith, Carlos Henderson, who I still think would be good if not for whatever issues he has. Um, but yeah, it's like how are we going to convince ourselves that the guy in his, his like twelfth game playing a position, Dust Tony Brown, who played a bunch of snaps for the Packers last year, by the way, gets like j- just just does not do anything more with with that trajectory in the context of four three five type speed. I mean, Hardman got a lot of slot reps and outside reps. I think he's I think he's like a top. 50 prospect for me i realize that's aggressive for most people's standards but this talk of him being like a fifth or sixth round pick is just dumb i'm sick no, of it the, i mean like the the ones that 
are saying that are going to get just proven horribly wrong and, and go go Twitter search themselves and just erase any sort of evidence that they that they said he was down there. I hope so because it's like I, if I if I see like ice cold takes or whatever people retweeting like Hardman's the seventh round uh, whatever he's just another whoever player they don't like it's like it's that's going to be irritating to me. But the the other thing about Hardman is as much as I might be higher than how much we might be higher than most people. The NFL guys will probably like him. He was a five-star recruit three years ago, and he, by almost any indication, must work really hard. Yes, I know he's got, he's got a pretty thick accent, so maybe that's something that's it's Albert Georgia. Yeah, it's go. like yeah, it's it's a uh, yeah. People are people are going to try to read Albert into that too much, but it's it's like country accent. Like you can't really understand. It's like it's more like you know the the coach in uh, uh, water or the 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 is the, he a coach the, in the water boy? He's, he's just a big fan. I can't remember if yeah that guy the the guy with the suspenders I don't know if he's on the payroll but uh, it's almost like that kind of you can't understand him it's not like he talks in you know some kind of s- street slang or something so that's the only kind of accent that the NFL coaches care about and I think that they're gonna they're gonna be around hard and be like he's so effing fast he he's, he's like high motor I love him yeah uh, and there, you might have some who are even like we can, we can make him a corner too and that would be bad. But I think he's going to be more like along the lines of Harvin as, as his pro application. I, I just think that like he's still, you know, to the to the point, he's still scratching the surface of what he can be as a receiver. Yeah. Like, this was just he's already good, year, and he's already good, like you said. And so I think that there's just other levels for him to reach. And also, again, he doesn't turn 21 until after the combine. So I mean, this is going to be a situation where he's a 21 year old rookie who's Whoa, just, he doesn't turn just, 21 until then yes oh man i didn't realize he was that young yeah yeah he's born uh, in 98 march 20, so yeah his his so. for his age even without trying to factor in the position change those are good age adjusted numbers and then if you do add in this position switch it's like he belongs in the second round in my opinion yeah i think so too so the the truth will come out on him eventually where where he um ends up uh being being one of those top 50 uh type of prospects i I really do feel it that way uh too so i guess you know wrapping it up uh we got godwin as a as a you know top 50 talent we have uh top five rounds Uh, i'm sorry okay so hardman in in the top 50 we got godwin around round five maybe round six and then ridley i think four and five and six for me you think it it drops that much it i don't i don't know because i would still guess three or four three or four okay i mean i have a i like a lot of these other receivers in this draft as part of what's informing i don't even have anything against ridley i think he's like I, i think he's a middle class man's josh reynolds to me which to me is like a late fourth mid fifth or something and if he goes later than that it's only because i'm really high on guys like arcega whiteside and preston williams and uh you know there's there's a bunch of good receivers in this draft i don't like the idea that there's no good receivers and this draft is just there's not like megatrons there's a bunch of guys who can give you 850 nfl snaps and 1200 yards a year yes i I think so too so i mean yeah it it just kind of is like they can't all be dk metcalf right clones so yeah riley ridley is probably in i I, if i had to make the call i would say he goes late third mid fourth to me i can see him being more like a fifth round value yeah i think that that sums it up pretty well but yeah i don't unless he really tanks it at the combine i'd still would guess that yeah like the the late three early four is kind of where his trajectory is. that sounds right yeah but um Raiders. raiders raiders are gonna pick him listen up all right, so that's going to do it for today's show. We'll be back again next week, getting a little bit more prepared as the combine approaches here on the RotoWire NFL podcast. 
It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m. and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com